0: All right. Welcome back to Relish the Journey, a podcast about the many different pathways of life and stories that everyone out there has to share. I am your host, Miles Biggs, and my guest today is Pat Kalish. Pat, thanks for joining me.
1: Hey, not a problem, Miles. Thank you so much for having me on the uh, podcast
0: here. Absolutely. So I can remember the moment I met you clear <laughs> as day. It was in the commuter parking lot, like home in college. I was a freshman and you were a senior in high school. You went to high school with a former guest in this podcast, Mike Tonart, I talked to you recently. And for whatever reason, I think he reached out to you and just encouraged you to come stay overnight with us to check out the school. And so we met you in the parking lot and took you to our room in Asbury Hall. And the rest is history. We had a great weekend, got to know each other, ended up, you came to in College, we became fraternity brothers. And then just very close friends throughout college. So it's kind of weird to think back that I think that moment was eight or nine years ago. I mean, oh, it's, <laughs> you know, I feel old for a second, it's, it's crazy how fast time flies, but also pretty cool how those kind of, they seem like not very important points in your life. Oh, I'm picking this kid up from the parking lot, you know, and now here we are. We're talking all these years later, still close friends staying in touch and now it's just funny how life works you know
1: it is i'll tell you miles i was probably in a different mindset my senior year in that parking lot so i hope i remember enough to be able to talk yeah. about it here but uh, it was uh, a great experience and uh, one that actually really brought me to lycoming to be with you guys uh, it was good times yeah
0: so i wanted to ask you about that you know that's my recollection and of course, I think it was a party filled weekend, so I don't remember all the details, but from your perspective, you know, what was it like being a senior in high school driving up to a college campus for a weekend overnight?
1: Yeah, so you know what, I had I had my decision down to two schools, uh Susquehanna and Lycoming. Uh I remember talking to Mike uh tonar and because i knew he went to lycoming and he was saying oh come on buddy like you got to come up you got to see the school and i thought it was a great idea right so i was on my journey i took uh, route 118 which was a nice country road to get from my house to lycoming so it was a good ride uh getting up there Uh, i'm definitely nervous you know i knew mike but i didn't really know anyone else um at the school uh, and still being, you know, senior year in high school, I probably wanted to more so come up and see the party scene and party with you guys. Uh, and then uh, I took a lot, you know, more back uh, from that journey. So it it was uh, it was definitely an eye-opening experience uh, and one which I'll never forget.
0: So you ended up coming to college to LICO. What did you study? It's one of those weird questions where we were so close. I don't even know if I could tell you what your major was. I'm going to assume it was business, but it could be something different.
1: Yeah, business administration. Okay. Um, you know, and even the piggyback. I remember when I I didn't know what I wanted to do, right? And that was another thing that should have got me more nervous than it did. But when I came up and I did the trip uh, to Lycoming to see you and Mike, uh, I remember you know we had a great weekend, party filled. But then Mike actually uh, went and uh, brought me to uh, one of the deans that was helping uh, bring new students, you know, into Lycoming College. Uh, And we sat down, and me and Mike were both Eagle Scouts of the same troop. Uh, And he ended up telling this guy and kind of feeding him a line that, yeah, we were both Eagle Scouts. Uh, He ended up giving me even more money. Um, And it wasn't about the money for me at that point, but it was more about, hey, you know, these, these people actually really care. You know, not just the students that we're all really accepting, but more so, you know, the staff. And it seemed like they wanted me to be there. Um, So when I came to Lycoming, I didn't really know the major, Miles, but I said, all right, well, let's go into something with business. I don't want to, you know, do biology like my sister did, uh, but let's kind of open up the uh, the segue there, and uh, that's where I started.
0: So you were a business major. I was a corporate communication major. It was really the same thing, except – Business, you had to take two accounting classes, and (laughs) communications, you didn't, and I hated numbers, so I didn't do it, which is, we don't need to get down my rabbit hole, but now I do so many things with numbers in my job, it's kind of funny. If I could go back and take that a second accounting class, I definitely would. Um, Hmm? I'll
1: tell you when I, when I, I, I probably should have did corporate communication because accounting was terrible. for Um, and it's, it's funny. I mean, I took, I had to take the two accounting courses and I had to take the finance course, business finance course. I remember Dr. Grasmuk, uh, was our professor. Um, and I went in there and, and again, didn't have the mindset of looking like forward thinking. Right. Uh, but I remember taking that course and geez, the first two weeks I was like, wow. I got to pump the brakes. Things aren't going well here. Um, and I ended up having to drop the class, take a summer course, and come back and take it again at Lycoming. Uh, and I might as well tell you, it was my um, lowest grade out of all wow. Lycoming. I think I got a C minus in finance, right? Um, after never the, after the first time or
0: after the second time? You got after C- the one.
1: second time. I <laughs> uh, never thought I'd be dealing with accounting or finance. Um, and I'm actually a financial advisor today.
0: So,
1: <laughs> funny how the world works,
0: huh? That is funny. It's very, yeah. It's and it's funny how you pay all this money for school, and I think the only thing I use on a day to day basis in my job that I learned at college is uh, one tip, one piece of advice that one of my communications uh, professors gave me, Diane Langley. I don't know if you ever <clears throat> had. Um, Always expect seven unexpecteds was a phrase she would say all the time regarding event planning and stuff, but it's very true in any aspect of business is if you can prepare for at least seven things you don't expect to happen when they do happen, you're not frazzled, and you've got a backup plan, and you can make it look like you have it all figured out even if you have no idea what you're doing.
1: Yeah, that's Uh, a great nugget of knowledge. I mean, the one thing I really learned... Um, wasn't much about, you know, the education. Uh, it was more so sort of learning about me, you know, and myself and who I wanted to be. But then also, I think what's so key in business is communication, right? And, and uh-huh. what I knew as I was going through my courses, you know, I should have studied harder. You know, I should have spent more time, you know, writing my papers. But I knew that the teachers really valued a student that cared about, you know, the class and cared about their education and would communicate that. So, you know, being in class, raising your hand, you know, at least like giving your kind of insight on topics day to day. And then when you were struggling, going to them, you know, after class to kind of get that, uh, those other nuggets of knowledge to kind of help you throughout the process, I think really helped me and get the grades that I really needed to excel. Uh, And what it really taught me was like, hey, it's not all about the education. It's more so about like connections. Building bonds with other people and communicating, Uh, because any job is going to teach you what you need to know, but you need to learn how to communicate that to get the job and to be
0: successful. Well, absolutely, and you could be, you could have the most knowledge about your field of anyone, about the, the day to day, the analytical, the the hands on how to do something. But if you are terrible at interaction with other human beings, you're going to have a hard time getting that job because whenever you're in a job interview. You have to make someone like you. So if you can't communicate properly, if you can't be and connect with other humans and know enough about yourself to know how you interact in those situations to be prepared, it doesn't matter what you know because the way you come across is terrible and you're going to have a hard time. So I agree with you. That's why I loved about, about college in general and about why I'm glad I chose a liberal arts school is because at the time, I didn't understand why I had to take a religion class or whatever sort of psychology or sociology classes we had to take or anything that was unrelated to my field when I was in school I couldn't wait to get out of school and into business because that's what I knew I wanted to do but now looking back it's I use more of those soft skills you know just day-to-day interactions with other human beings and how to learn new things it's not about what you know it's about how you learn new things and then what you will know later and learn later you know so if I went to like a tech school or just a straight business school and all we did was just business, 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 I don't think I'd be as successful as I am today because you have to have that little bubble of college to fail and make stupid mistakes <laughs> like we both did. I mean, I don't even talk about oh, yeah. on here, but those are the, the greatest life lessons I learned in college were outside of the classroom. I don't know, yours were too. Um, oh yeah. And then you could take that, you take that in your professional life. And so I feel like the people I knew that were the crazy bookworms, are some of the most, you know, unsuccessful people. And then the people like you or I that we did okay. I mean, we didn't do terrible in the classroom, but we weren't the best. We're the people that then, you know, we're doing doing more than some others right now
1: yeah you know and I think what's what was nice about college right is like it gave us those rooms like you said to make those mistakes and for me you know coming to college I needed that small type school in order to be able to make mistakes and to not be held back by those mistakes and to make a couple more you know because you know and many others like I made multiple but then you know throughout the end I senior year I really said hey like what do you want out of this? Like, what do you want in your life? And for me, it was like, hey, I want to start my career. I want to be self sufficient. You know, I want to buy a home. You know, I want to, you know, m- you know, marry a beautiful girl, right? And I was only going to be able to get that as if I really buckled down. I had my fun in college. I could put that aside and then truly focus on my career. I even look back now and, you know, I think I'd be so much better suited in college. I think I would have enjoyed those classes so much more because now I just, I want to learn, right? And I'm hungry for not just business, but like you said, kind of that liberal education to help kind of create that well-balanced effect.
0: Oh, yeah, dude. I mean, I just, before we started talking, I just finished a book called Blink by Malcolm Gladwell. It's all about the power of thinking without thinking and it's, you know, psychology and Reading people and all that good stuff. I finished that, and then I picked up Unshakable by Tony Robbins, a book all about investing and stuff, which is the field you're in now. So I, I went from you know, that liberal arts, the the science of the human being, if you will, to hey. I just had a kid. I need to get serious about investing. Let's learn a little bit more about this topic. You know.
1: Yeah. So, if anyone, you know, if you know me and whoever else is listening knows me, the book I'm actually reading now is "Growing Gourmet and Medicinal Mushrooms" by Paul Stamets. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> um, hilarious. I well, I bought a home in July of 2016. Uh, my dad is a huge gardener. And I've been really getting into gardening. We actually have chickens coming in the spring. Um, But I read a book.
0: Wait, wait, back up, uh, back up, back up. up. You're getting chickens at your house? (laughs) I'm getting chickens, baby. They're coming in the spring. Oh, my God. I'm getting a a speckled Sussex, um,
1: a Plymouth Barred Rock, and a Rhode Island Red.
0: So So three chickens. and I
1: were tickled pink. Yep, you got it, man. Three chickens coming.
0: So is that like a zoning issue with your house? You have to take chicken coop or you're allowed to do that or are you doing this um, kind of on the sly?
1: You know, Miles, one thing I sometimes learned as well was uh, don't always ask for permission. Sometimes <laughs> it's better to ask for forgiveness. Uh, so That's awesome. We actually we live on a little over a half acre. Um, we actually, it's funny in the back of our yard, there's this shed that's filled with like gardening tools, but it looks like an outhouse. And when we actually bought the property, even before we bought the property, I I said the list when we opened up the door, I said, Hey, this would be perfect for chickens so i'm actually going to be in the process now when it gets a little bit nicer kind of framing some of the things i need to create in the run outside and uh hopefully won't get nabbed by any of those uh elverson burrow uh type uh politicians so we'll see
0: (laughs) that's hilarious man so what's the goal there for them to have eggs and then you have fresh eggs or what
1: yeah so fresh eggs we're getting females uh, we don't really want any males because then we'll definitely be caught because crack of dawn, I don't need to be up and nor do my neighbors. Right. Um, so we're getting three females. We're getting them actually. I'll tell you a little thing. It's actually kind of nuts. So my parents got chickens a couple years ago. I was telling him, I was asking my dad, I said, hey, where are you getting these chickens? He's like, I'm getting them in the mail. What? And I'm like, what do you mean you're getting them in the mail? So when chicks hatch, right, yeah. they can live for about 24 to 48 hours without any food or water so they literally get these chicks that have hatched they put them in a box they ship them two day uh and you pick them up at the local post office oh
0: my gosh that is ridiculous
1: i know i know i know
0: um so literally there's some farmer a chicken just hatched an egg and he's putting it in a fedex box (laughs) and putting in the two-day overnight to wherever that is only in America, my Only brain. in
1: America. They, they have holes in the box. They say fragile. I don't know if everyone knows <laughs> how fragile, but um, oh my, my parents have had really good success. They've actually never had a little chick that died, uh, which is great. Uh, and actually, the local post office by my parents, you know, my parents are out in the boondocks. Right. They know it's my parents because they're like, hey, we got your box. It's making noise. Come and pick it up.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's insane.
1: Yeah. Um, so I'm getting, they're actually, they're getting more uh, a couple people from my uh, mom's uh, work is getting a couple and we're getting a three. So we're going to raise them as chicks in the brooder uh, and kind of hope that no hawks or owls or anything kind of comes and takes them.
0: So this is a weird question. Mm-hmm. How do female chickens make eggs without a male chicken? Am I, cause my, this might be ignorant, but you think about that almost seems like it's part of the reproductive process, right? Like you need a male chicken to then create an egg. Is that not the case?
1: Yeah, so I mean, great question. I actually get the question from a lot of people, too. I should do tons more research on it. But
0: Dude, you could do, you f- should start a podcast about raising <laughs> chickens and growing mushrooms.
1: Growing mushrooms? Oh, geez. Yeah, I'd be quite a podcast. Uh, I'd probably get one or two listeners, maybe Paul Stamets <laughs> himself. But um, so, female chickens, they naturally produce eggs. Uh, and they will naturally produce typically in the height of their season about one egg a day um now they need a male to fertilize that egg to then create the trick but naturally throughout kind of their systems they are naturally producing uh you know that egg uh which isn't for fertilized um but could to eat
0: hmm. well, there you yeah. go. to learn something new that's pretty cool
1: yeah so we're excited i mean I'll tell you, there is nothing like a fresh brown egg um i remember
0: when you live with zach john and we would do those drunken like watch scary movies and drink half a bottle of something during the work week <laughs> nights and i wake up on the couch and we would not go work together but uh you would always have oh, like yeah. you had like quail eggs and yeah crazy eggs. eggs yeah guinea eggs. eggs
1: oh my gosh good memory there so uh, the guinea eggs are my favorite um they actually look like little prehistoric Little animals running around, and they're super. They're they're actually friendly. Some can be aggressive, but they produce a smaller egg, and they don't produce it all year round. But the egg that they produce, it's really hard to crack. But it has such like a deep, dark, heavy yolk, and they were by far my favorite. So, um, to give you a little perspective on guinea hens too, I know it's a little strange. We're going off the path here, but they. Um, there's a story, right? And these cops were called and there was a pit bull that was just really hurt. I mean, pretty much torn apart. They had to take it to the vet and they were trying to find the culprit. They thought potentially another dog. You know, they didn't really know what happened to it. They ended up finding out it was a guinea hen. So, I mean, these things don't mess around, <laughs> you know, they're, they're tough little animals and, uh, they create good eggs. So what can yeah, you say?
0: Cause you just described them in the other sentence as friendly. And then you, now you're telling me they just ripped up a pit <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you
1: know, I guess it all depends on how you raise them, right? I mean, I guess that's like the kids as well. Just wild, like balls, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like pit bulls, right? I mean, if you raise them friendly and we handled these guinea hens and these these chickens really when they were really small, right, and we would hold them and we would go down and kind of visit with them. I know I'm sounding like a crackpot here, um, but, you know, being and giving them kind of that love and that nurturing effect early on really kind of helped them become, you know, yeah, pretty much gentle little giants. So,
0: That's pretty cool. Yeah. So I interrupted you, and I apologize. If we go all the way back, I got caught up on you guys getting chickens, and I don't know where <laughs> you were going next, but you were in the middle of telling me something else.
1: Yeah, I was reading the book, Grown Gourmet and Medicinal Mushrooms. So I know this sounds weird, but... I was reading this book, uh, it was called the new victory garden by Bob Thompson. And if anybody wants to get started with gardening, my dad gave me that book. Who's a really great gardener and it really kind of helped me kind of develop into the, you know, gardener that I am today, which doesn't say much, but I'm learning every day. Um, and that book talked a little bit about what's called like permaculture, right? Um, and permaculture is basically wherever you live, right? using kind of the land, the environment, the the environmental landscape around you to kind of grow what would be right. So we live on a wooded lot. I mean, we have tons of oak and beech trees. So there's a lot of shade. And I was thinking, hey, what can I kind of weave into our property that would grow well? Right. Um, and the first summer that we were here, so actually, it'd be the first kind of eh, fall, the first fall that we were here. I noticed in our front and backyard, we had mushrooms popping up everywhere. I mean, it was just amazing. they were all different varieties, so it spurred my interest. Definitely started to do a little bit more of you know investigation, um, and I said to Elise, I said well, it would be perfect if we start to incorporate some mushrooms that we eat on a daily basis. You know, shiitakes. Rishi oyster mushrooms um, so that's kind of my push and learning a little bit more about how to do this and how to um, basically incorporate it into kind of our landscape here today
0: that's crazy so those mushrooms that were growing by themselves were those edible or poisonous or how can you tell
1: yes yeah, so I mean it actually takes a lot of investigation and I think that's why I really like it um, so I'll start off with You know, when you first take the mushroom, you got to know really how it grows, right? And the mushroom grows what's called the mycelium. And the mycelium is basically like their roots. Um, And Miles, I mean mulch pile, right? You ever kick through a mulch pile and you see that some of the wood chips have all this like white type of vibrant life in the mulch? That's mycelium. That's mushroom mycelium. Um, And that is basically spread all throughout um, our, our landscape. It's basically under the ground and Paul Stamets basically calls it the environments, um, internet, which is really cool because basically this mycelium kind of goes out and collects nutrients. Um, and then when there's just a perfect type setup, there's, you know, the perfect moisture, the perfect type of, you know, speckled sunlight, the mycelium will, you know, join together and create the mushroom. Um, so it really starts, you know, from the mycelium, and then as you take the mushroom, you know, it's basically looking at it from the outside, looking at the stock, the cap. You could even cut the cap off and put it on a piece of paper, um, and then you'll actually be able to see the spore print. So you'd be able to see what color spores there are. Um, and some mushrooms you just know. So the first mushrooms that we ate off of our property are what's called hen of the woods. Or maitake mushrooms. Um, And these mushrooms, I'll tell you, they have a lot of health benefits. And they're really, they're harder to cultivate. Um, So they're really great when you find them kind of in that natural landscape because they'll come back for years. Um, And it's funny, Alyssa's grandmother, their big Italian family, they have the seven fish dinner. Um, The first time I went, she actually had hen of the woods mushrooms kind of as an appetizer. Um, So what was cool was I actually found pounds of these mushrooms growing on our oak trees and I was able to provide the hen of the woods mushrooms for, you know, this past uh, Christmas Eve. That's
0: awesome. You probably got major brownie points with the grandma.
1: (laughs) That always helps too, you know, that is for sure. So uh, I got to try a little bit uh, before it came out, so I'll call myself lucky there.
0: That's wild. I mean, that's, Mm -hmm. that's a hell of a rabbit hole we just went down, but that's, that's funny. I mean that's I never would have thought. I Every mean, time I saw mushrooms growing in my yard, I was just like, crap. I got rid of them cuz the dog, if the dog eats them they die. <laughs> so yeah, I never
1: bring over all, all, I never stopped to, to, to th- think,
0: oh man, are these can I eat these myself?
1: Yeah. Well, you know, it's it's and actually as as I was reading a little bit, there is different cultures, definitely like the Irish culture, you know, they have like a fear of mushrooms, right? Huh and people when they because mushrooms are weird you know the mycelium is underneath the ground you can't really see that but you have kind of you know that perfect brainstorm that comes across they pop up one day they're gone the next right um a big culture where i'm from i'm, I'm half polish uh, and actually my grandma would go out and pick what's called papinkis um so it kind of just you know Spurred my interest from there, and now I'm kind of just taking a hold of it. Plus, my dad, being the big gardener, he never really cultivated mushrooms on his property. So, it's kind of something I could bring to the table and kind of hopefully help his property with incorporating, you know, some of these different types of fungi.
0: That's cool. So,
1: call me a fun guy.
0: Oh, there you go. <laughs> so, how did your dad get into gardening? Is this something he always did, or, or what?
1: Yeah. So, you know, I'd, I'd really probably have to ask him. Um, you know, he was always pretty big into the outdoors. Um, and he's a big homebody. Uh, so they have about 15 acres up in Northeast BA. Uh, and ever since I was little, uh, I knew that, you know, hey, he always had a garden. Actually, when I grew up, he had beehives. Um, he would spray the fruit trees on our property. So we'd have like fresh apples, pe- uh, peaches, pears, uh, blueberries. Um, and then, His kind of love for gardening really took off, too. Now, he's a nurse anesthetist, so nothing close to the gardening field, but he actually took a course uh, at Penn State a university, uh, to become what they would call, I say, a master gardener. He actually had to teach prisoners how to garden, uh, at one point. Um, so he really kind of just took off. And, you know, when I was young, it was cool to have fresh vegetables and fruit, but I never really loved it. Um, until I was kind of actually living in Lewisburg. Um, and I said to Alyssa, I said, Hey, like, let's start. So we pretty much just started in kind of these like, uh, mesh, you know, type uh buckets um and went from there and it was just really cool to kind of plant a very small vegetable plant watch it grow and then later on being able to kind of reap the benefits
0: yeah that's very cool i've i've tried a few times and i'm just terrible at it but i also haven't really put a lot of effort into it i yeah, can just a, go bite at the grocery store you know what i mean i've tried like bell peppers and some other small smaller plants but nothing too serious
1: Yeah, it's, I mean, it's just something I'm really interested in. I mean, one of my main goals kind of when we look at our property is trying to basically become so developed with gardening, mycology. Um, I want to get bees and stuff that I would hope that we can use the grocery store so much less, right? And really try to grow a lot of our own vegetables and preserve them, um, so that we can, really kind of have a little bit of a, I wouldn't want to say self-sustaining because heck, we're going to still need to use the grocery store, but just be able to kind of rely a little bit more upon kind of what we've done on our
0: property. So
1: goal for the future.
0: So what do you think if you step back and look at yourself for a second, why? I mean, why do you think that's such a big thing to you? Is it just because your dad did it or is it something else like a big life moment that caused you to be focused on this? Or I mean, if you analyze yourself for a second, why do you think gardening's such a big deal?
1: Yeah. It's a good question. One I've never really asked myself uh, when it comes to gardening and mushrooms. Um, I would say that, you know, where I grew up, right, is was out in the middle of nowhere. Um and I wasn't playing on an Xbox. Um, I mean I only had a PS two, barely played on it. I was always outside, right? Um, and then I joined the Boy Scouts. Uh, and was an Eagle Scout and the Boy Scouts, right? And and that kind of just took me on many different journeys, you know, to Philmont, New Mexico, Mount Katahdin, Maine. So I kind of just developed this love for, you know, the environment and the outside. Um, And I think that as I'm starting to get a little bit older, right, my why would be, we're, you know, as, as humans, we're kind of just slowly deteriorating the environment that we live in. Uh, and, it, and it's really just sad when you look at just the populations of animals and, you know, and if even like you look at the Amazon rainforest, how that's just destroyed every single day. And, you know, I'm a creature on this planet, like ev- like every bird, like every animal, you know, and I think that if I can kind of help this environment in any which way and kind of help kind of live a life that, you know, would be a little bit more self-sustaining, that would kind of help the environment as a whole um and uh, you know my why is just well that's it I guess uh, and it's more just a love it's a passion you know I, I love finance but if I had to pick up a book to learn about something more I want to learn about the outs. you know the environment and what you know role I play and you know how I can kind of help develop the land that I have so that it's kind of useful right and uh, that we're of use
0: to it as well. Yeah, that's awesome. I mean, you—I would describe you as a like a Renaissance man for sure because (laughs) you've got you work at Vanguard, right? As a financial analyst or planner, you know, related to money. Which is, when you think about it, uh, people would clarify that or define that sometimes as a selfish pursuit, right? You know, it's all about making more money, wealth, and then a lot of times that's spent on material gains and fashion and the latest trends and you know money's just not associated with mushrooms you know <laughs> and then you leave the office and it's all about being a steward of the earth and everything you just talked about so uh, you yeah. have a you have a balanced life for sure my friend which is awesome i mean it's not something that many people have it's a lot of times people are in, in one camp much farther than they are the other and they're not really have a foot in both like you do
1: yeah you know, when I when I look at kind of being a financial advisor at PanCard, right? It's, you know, what I'm trying to do on a day to day would be to kind of help people, you know, live their retirement lifestyles and achieve their goals. But when I really look back on a personal level too, you know, I'm I'm engaged, right? I'm gonna be, you know, starting a family uh, like you have, Miles, and and you know, money's important. And anyone that says it's not is kind of living under a rock. Like you really need to have kind of a really strong financial background and a strong kind of financial portfolio to help your family. Um, And, you know, one thing when I grew up, when I was younger, what was really nice is like I didn't have to worry about where the money was coming from or where the food was coming from. Or if I wanted to take a trip to New Mexico with the scouts, how I was going to be able to do that. Uh, my, my parents, you know, luckily really were able to, you know, kind of give me that lifestyle. Right. And I, in my family that I'm trying to build here, I don't want money to be an object. I don't want that discussion of saying, Hey, can we do this? You know, I don't want to live a lavish lifestyle. You know, I don't want to be frivolous, but I also want to be able to be the provider, you know, and to make sure that we're kind of set up for the future, um, and that's just one thing of, you know, how kind of Vanguard and being a financial advisor even ties into that side of my life. Right. So
0: it makes a lot of sense. Yeah. We'll Dude, so you're, so when's the wedding? Did you guys set a date yet?
1: Yeah, we did. Man. So we were very excited. October 5th nice. uh, of
0: 2019. Nice. Yeah. One, we, day, uh, one day after me, I was October 4th. No way. Yeah. Oh
1: man, that's crazy. That's great. Uh, we're doing it on a Saturday, nice. like you did. Uh, we're actually doing it at a place called La Masqueria. Um It's on, like, a really nice golf course, but what's cool about it is it's this old-school barn that was built in 1800. So it has some of the original beams. It has, you know, the nice stone wall kind of in the backdrop. Um, and it'll just be kind of – it's a spot around here. I think hopefully it'll be pretty much in distance to both of our families and all of our friends. Um, so, you know, we're super excited. We actually just picked the spot. It was last week. We put down the deposit. Uh, so now we're off to the races.
0: Nice. Yeah. That's fun. That's something to, yeah, I was, so It was 2018, right? So this October will be four years that I've been married. No way. Wow. Right? How time flies, huh? It's crazy. So it's, I remember that time in life very well. It was exciting and busy, but great memories for sure. All the planning and then the anticipation leading up to the day and then the day itself and then the honeymoon and you know, it's, it's crazy how time flies, man. And then now that you talk about starting a family that I have a son, and he's going to be three months old next week. Um, it's just dude, it's, and it gets me thinking about everything you're talking about where, you know, I was in scouts too and got my Eagle scout. And that's something that bonded us right away. Like any, it's amazing. Whenever you do meet another Eagle scout, it's just right away. You're like, okay, I have something to talk about with this guy, you know, Oh yeah. Yeah. um, but what's cool to think about is I get to do it all over again. You know what I mean? Now that I have a boy, it's like, he's, I want to get him into scouts and I'm not going to force him to go all the way. If he likes it, he likes it. And I hope he does, but it's going to be doing everything again. You know, he wants to go to Philmont and I could go to Philmont, you know, and mm-hmm. everything you're talking about, you get a do over in many respects as a dad, which is kind of cool.
1: Yeah, a little bit more stress, but a lot, you know, coming kind of a lot of fun too. And that's, it is exciting. It's it's nice to have a boy, and actually at this point, heck, if we have a girl, they could probably be in Boy Scouts too. Don't they don't to a, they officially that could be, yeah. That's, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty so wild. It makes me
0: wonder if they're going to rename it instead of Boy Scouts. It would just be like, the scouts of America or something you know I don't yeah know. what
1: happened to the girl scouts you know what I mean in, in that way I'm
0: like well the girl scouts well, were were pissed when that I read a couple oh, yeah. articles when that came out they're like what the hell are you talking about you're letting girls in what as we... they
1: should be too <laughs> yeah. you know I mean they have kind of their organization which is a great one you know, and they build a lot of different values and morals into their, you know, kind of organization that overlap, but some are a little bit different, right? And and who's to say now that the Boy Scouts are any, you know, above the Girl Scouts? That's not the case. You know, there's two kind of segments for a reason, and both are so important. Um, so I don't want to really jump into that rabbit hole. It'll be
0: interesting, though, to see what happens with that, because when you look at the structure of both, there's such a a gender separation where it's almost cliche right you've got scouts where it's the ranks are scout tenderfoot second class first class star life eagle and these all these manly connotations and then you've got girl scouts where you're a daisy or a brownie like you're literally a flower or food you know so what is that teaching girls that that's stay in the kitchen and pick flowers you know so it is interesting because who's to say a girl can't be a tenderfoot or a star or eagle and who's to say a boy can't want to be a daisy or a brownie. You know, it's 2018 and there's all those different things swirling around and it's it's just – it's very interesting to see where that will go in yeah. the next couple of years, especially now as a parent is what I think about. you know, But it, I, it was definitely an interesting article and you're right. We could go down that rabbit hole. We don't need to go. That's, yeah. a, that's a that's a divisive rabbit hole, depending yeah, on who's listening. But I, I just hope that both organizations well, just, stay strong. Yeah, I just hope kids know? kids do that because at the end of the day, you know, like you said, get out from behind your video game console and go experience the world. You know, it's yeah. There's only so us. many so many years you have to be frivolous and carefree and go out and get dirty and come out when the street <laughs> lights come on. Per se, you know, and, you got oh.
1: it yeah one I'll, I'll, I'll go down this one which is kind of funny and i always think about scouts here when i was i was a new scout right and i was a ragtag type of kid uh, i mean i was just all over the place ball four energy didn't really respect the older scouts you know as much as i should have right and we were hiking in the Appalachian trail um and we came across um and we we kind of set up uh for camp and i was just being belligerent you know and i deserve this and i actually ended up getting tied to a tree with another fellow scout by, <laughs> right and i ended up as one scout came across it was blindfolded but i spit on you know this person right and i mean and, and why would i have ever done that right as a kid um but then again i was kind of you know, learning as I was. And as I went through that and I was outside, I really started to think about, hey, like, what am I doing? You know, why am I being so disrespectful? And a large guy, I mean, he was just, he was one guy I really looked up to. He was a big football player. He came up to me and he got me at the end of the night. And he put, put his arm around me and he said, all right, bud, like, you did great, you know, and, and like, good job today. Uh, and then kind of tucked me back in. Um, for that next day and I'll tell you I learned so much from that event um, I really just learned like hey like why am I being disrespectful you know showed so respect to everybody you know and they have your back and that was just a life-changing moment for me and I remember when I came home you know I, I the one just gotta talk to my dad about it right my dad's like good he needed to learn that you know and I think from there on out I just had like a newfound respect for the brotherhood you know, that I just, you know, built in scouting. And then just that kind of just propelled me along that path of just trying to help each and every scout kind of find their way. So
0: Yeah, man, big proponent of scouts. In a way, it goes back to the conversation we had about college where it's a place for you to find yourself. And you learn a whole lot of things, how to tie knots, first aid, whatever, hiking, camping. But the the most important thing you learn is things about yourself, what you can do, what you're capable of, yeah, you make mistakes, but then you're there with the group who raise you back up or put you in your place to your story, and you come out the other side a better person. And so it's, For sure. It, those are very formative things, whether it's in scouts or in college or in sports or anything. It's part of your human development. Going back to what we said about college where what you learn isn't really in the classroom. So it's life's what you make it, man. That's what it's all about. It's great. Definitely. I agree with you on all those things
1: don't be soft just be a man you know ride through it and it, it'll come out you'll come out better on the opposite end so
0: absolutely absolutely yeah well the next stage of this is a brief questionnaire it's gonna start off simple and kind of redundant and you're probably gonna say dude you know the answers to these questions but <laughs> the whole purpose right. is to get you warmed up to get into some deeper questions so just, okay cool just come along with for the ride sounds good first question what is your name?
1: Patrick William Kalish.
0: Oh, William! I didn't know that. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, yep. Is that and after? Actually, uh, my, is that after a family member?
1: My dad's name is William Patrick Kalish, so they just flipped the two.
0: That's awesome. That's my dad really didn't
1: cool. want a second. You know, he just wanted a. Uh, you know, to say he has his own name, but we kind
0: of flip flopped. So I get that. I did the same thing. It was going to be weird to have a junior. I thought so. I just gave my son my first name as his middle name.
1: Oh cool Did you really
0: Yeah so his name is Mason Miles Oh
1: cool Cool I like that Mason Miles big
0: Hey that sounds pretty good I yeah, like that he's, Yeah If that, nothing else He's got a cool name I guess huh? <laughs> He'll have a lot more Than that Yeah name, so. Second question is How old are you 26 And what is your occupation
1: it's, I'm a financial advisor uh, With the Vanguard Group
0: And what is your passion
1: Hmm I would say family comes first, uh, and then the environment.
0: I expect you to answer that a lot quicker. I thought you were going to say gardening real quick after. No, <laughs> nah, nah, no, I respect. I, just, I respect the answer with family absolutely, and I yeah. like. I like that that the order of those questions because a lot of the times we like to think that our passion is our occupation, but very much so, they're different things. You know.
1: Yeah, no, and it really is, right? I mean, when I really see, like, what interests me, you know, finance is a huge part of my life, and I love it, but just my passion is not there, you know? It's it's definitely a little different.
0: Describe your life in three words.
1: To the summit.
0: To the summit. I like that a lot. Yep. So um, talk to me about that. To the summit. Why?
1: Yep. So there's a Latin saying. Uh, it's called Alde. Odd Ad Alta, A-D-A-L-T-A, uh, and it means to the summit. Uh, and it really came about in scouting for me. Uh, we hiked a couple great mountains. Uh, we hiked throughout Philmont, New Mexico. Uh, we, h- we hiked the largest peak in Philmont. Uh, we hiked Mount Katahdin in Maine and we hiked Mount Katah- uh, Mount Washington in New Hampshire. Um, and those hikes, I'll tell you, you know, very difficult. Right. Ones in which you can't do by yourself. Right. Ones in which you kind of need to do with a band of brothers uh, and even Mount Washington. I'll never forget, you know, basically hiking up this deep summit, you know, getting to the top and having people come in. you know, There's a lodge on top. And the lodge actually serves, like, hot soup and, you know, food. And why they do that is there's actually a, a road that you can drive up to get to the summit of Mount Washington. And I remember getting into um, that lodge, and people came up to like, oh, my gosh, you hiked Mount Washington. You guys hiked that. I said, yeah, we did. Um, and then when we left the lodge, as we were going across the top, it was very, very foggy, and I mean, there were like 70-mile-an-hour consistent winds. I mean, it was Whoa. it was brutal, right? And you were leaning into the wind. Um, and as we kind of did this whole hike right? We were all just, I mean, super, you know, just, I mean, euphoric, uh, and had just a fantastic time. And we kind of used everyone, you know, in every scout kind of to their benefits, right. And to their maxes so that we can kind of all do this together. Um, and now in life, you know, it's, it's like hiking a mountain for me, right? You need to have the ones you love by you. You you got to have your band of brothers and, and ladies, you know, beside you. And, don't just stop, you know. Keep going. Yeah. Get to the next level. Lean into the uh,
0: wind and get lean into it.
1: the wind and get to the summit. Yeah,
0: that's awesome. Yeah, that'd be a badass tattoo at Alta.
1: <laughs> at Alta, you know, it's funny. I, uh, I, when I went for this uh, financial advisor role at Vanguard, uh, you have to write a personal statement. You know, the personal statement is like, why do you want this position? You know, blah blah woof woof, and i was like you know what i gotta set myself apart right and what can i write about that just really defines who i am uh and i ended up writing about scouting and i ended up you know writing about hiking those mountains you could actually even read a clip on my linkedin uh, and at the end i put at alta to to the summit um and i just think that you know that really kind of helped help at least helped me get to that interview stage and move forward from there and just one thing to continue to live by that's
0: awesome what do you think is your happiest life moment so far
1: oh man you know this is this is an easy one because i just happened uh, december 22nd um 20, uh 2017 uh, actually i uh proposed to Alyssa um and Alyssa and I we met at like Coming College actually she met me at my probably my most perfect time it was the end of my senior year I was leaving in a week <laughs> so um we actually we ended up um god I saw her on campus miles right and I always just saw her and I said man she's such a beautiful girl she's, she's just so nice um and I didn't it was literally last week I'm like how am I going to talk to this girl right uh, so you know me, I'm not big into social media. Uh, if I ever post anything on Facebook, it's an oddity. Um, uh, but I ended up hitting her on, hitting her up on Facebook. I'll never forget the room we were in. Um, when you go into God, what is the, uh, you'll know the library. What's the library's name?
0: Uh, was that? That wasn't worse? No, that was Words oh no! Just...
1: It, yeah, right above words. No, you hit it. Is hit it right. Wurtz? Okay. Yeah, right when you walk into the the doors, you could take a left to go to the library. You could take a right um, to go to words.
0: Like Pennington Lounge, you mean?
1: Pennington Lounge. Yeah.
0: There you go. Um,
1: there's the um the computer lab. Yeah, on the second floor. Um, so that computer lab. I was sitting in there with Nick Filippini, Jake Briggs, and to say the least, we were drinking. You know, probably should have been studying for in finals, the computer we were lab.
0: You're drinking in drinking. the computer lab. That yeah. definitely sounds um, like the last week of senior year, right there. Yep, yeah, yep,
1: yeah, yep, yeah, yep, yeah. yep. So, um, I ended up hitting her up on Facebook. And I said, hey, let's go for coffee. Uh, needless to say, this was like 2, 3 a.m. in the morning. Um, and she didn't get back to me, right? And I woke up the next morning. I saw and I looked at her. I'm like, oh, my God, why did I ever say that? That was stupid. Uh, but then she did. She got back to me. Um, and we met for coffee in Pennington Lounge. I remember I didn't need a coffee, but I got one. I was talking a mile a minute because I was nervous. Um, and then kind of all of the rest was history, um, we ended up, she ended up coming up for graduation, uh, where I had a big nasty black eye. So that was good. Uh, <laughs> and, um, we just started dating from there and it kind of all worked out really well. She had two years uh, left at Lycoming. Uh, and I was at Ritzcraft, so I was able to visit her on the weekend. She was able to visit me. Um, and then, you know, after kind of she graduated, you know, we both actually moved back to where she's from in the Philadelphia area. Um, we been together for about three years and on December 22nd, I popped the question. So it's awesome. Yeah, so I'm a lucky guy. I don't know if I can say the same for her. Uh, but
0: well, she's definitely not like a guy, so you can't say the same thing. Yeah, her.
1: that's true. That's very true. Uh, but uh, I hope uh, yeah, we're, we're, we're happy, and she's a she's a great girl. I'm very lucky.
0: Yeah, um, so it's awesome. That's what it's all about. A
1: lot of tears, too many tears. Miles, Jeez, dude, gotta, I gotta tell you, I'm an emotional wreck sometimes. So.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Okay. Well, opposite of that because. Back to learning, mm-hmm. the the high times are great, but you learn the most from the low times. So what would you say is your lowest life moment so far?
1: Gosh, so I'm not going to go into many details, right? But you know this day really, you know this night very, very well. Okay, um, I was it was was it graffiti? I think it was graffiti party. Um, and I was ended up dating one girl in college, and it really didn't work out well. We just weren't a good match right, um, and it should have left at that, but me being Pat, you know, I was definitely too much to drink, and I wasn't thinking you know, straight, and then another person that she was dating, right, kind of confronted me, um, and I ended up taking it a little too far, I'll, I'll say that, right, yep. um, and by far my lowest moment, um, and it was a great learning experience, um, but really, Miles, I mean, it taught me is just like be the bigger man.
0: You know? Yeah, walk I mean, away. W- walk away. And when, when when
1: people push you, you know, the strong men know how to know how to basically take that, put it in one ear and leave the next because it's not really a true, you know, statement of your figure. But when you react, it truly is. Right.
0: Yeah. I've learned that one man. the hard way too, man. Whenever yeah. you whenever you lose control of your emotions, you end up giving all the power in that situation to the other person instead of remaining the powerful one. You know, you feel like you feel powerful with the actions that you put forward, but it's really the least powerful thing.
1: Definitely. You hit the nail on the head. You feel powerful, but when you really look back at it, you're at your weakest state um, and you just let someone else take control of the situation and something like that doesn't leave you. You know, like yeah. that's not just something that just you do and it goes away, you know, that that will that will stay with you for a very, very long time. It's not your life. Right. And the memory will at least stay for your life. Um, it's a great memory to have because it really puts things into perspective. If you're ever in another situation like that, you think back, you say, "Hey." OK. Who had control in that situation? It damn well was not you.
0: Yeah. Um, well, by I, far
1: my lowest moment, but a great learning
0: experience. Well, and that's the thing is that you learn from it. I mean the cautionary tales are the people that have those moments again and again and again and never learn anything from it. So you'll keep that with you, but it's going to be a lesson that you pass on to your kids and their kids, and there's going to be good that comes from it you know, in oh, the long yeah. run.
1: Yeah, for sure. I'll share it with Mason Miles Biggs. So. <laughs>
0: Uh, probably some other stories about me I don't want him to know.
1: <laughs> we'll leave some of them out. Huh?
0: <laughs> so what's the best piece of advice that you've ever received?
1: The best piece of advice I ever received? You know, this has to be this has to be from my gran- uh, my grandfather. Um and his name was uh Jerry Williams. Um actually his name was Lewis Williams. But his grandmother hated that name, thought it was a wussy name. So they ended up calling him Jerry. That's funny. Um, yeah. And he was in the war. He was, uh, but his big occupation was, uh, he was a barber, uh, and he actually had a barber shop in Plymouth for my mom's from, uh, and he was just, I mean, just a, a just a great guy, loved his family, uh, loved everybody to say the least, uh, and just had a heart of gold. Um, and he taught me so much, uh, just through his actions. Um, but one thing that he told me is he said to me and other people, you know, said to him, Hey, him and my grandmother were together for God decades. Um, and you know, they said to him, they said, like, how did you do it? You know, and he said, and he said this to me and my sister, never go to bed angry, never go to bed angry. And I'll tell you. That is, I think, something in which would have helped me if I really followed as I was young, as I was going through college. Uh, But especially now, you know, I mean, I got the love of my life, Alyssa, um, and I want to do everything in my power to just make this a successful relationship and not going to bed angry and kind of solving your differences when they show up, I think will just continuously have a great effect. Uh, if not on that day, the next as well. Absolutely. Yeah. That's a good Um, one. Yeah, and it's just, you know, one of those, and and even when you tie it back to business, right, I mean, there are going to be clients, there are going to be situations in which you are just not going to be happy about, right, and it's not going to go your way, and you're going to see, you know, eye to eye differently, and at this point, I would translate it back of don't leave the office angry, Right. I mean, get your differences out there. Solve your differences at the door um, so that the next day doesn't have to start off on a bad foot. Uh, and you can kind of keep productivity up, keep relationships strong, and keep moving forward.
0: Love it. Yeah. So, what do you think? That's the best advice you've ever received. What do you think is the best advice that you could give?
1: It's a tough question, man. You know, it's. Hmm. I think from. I'm looking back and one thing that has really helped me out in my life and I want to continue is always have a smile on your face and just treat people with a genuine, honest figure. Um, and you know, as you go throughout life, you're always going to be dealing with people. Right. Uh, In my role and your role and many people's roles. I mean, it's just, it's people, people, people. That is the most important thing. And, you know, while we're on this earth, be genuine, be trustworthy, be an honest figure. Uh, My dad's told me many times, right? It can, it takes years, if not decades, to build trust and to build a strong character, but it can take one minute to lose it. So, you know, as you're kind of, as people are going through, you know, kind of this life, be genuine, right? And always just, even if the truth is tough, it's best to just be honest, get it off your chest, move forward, you know, and treat everyone with dignity, like they deserve.
0: Amen. Well said. (laughs) Thank you. Well, that's the end of my question there. The last question really is just, you know to turn the tables it's only fair that i've been you know prompting you with questions if you have any questions for me i will happily answer them right now
1: any questions for you yeah yeah miles why did you start this podcast what was your
0: why sure so i touch on this briefly and you haven't heard it yet because i haven't got live with this yet at the time of recording this but for me Like we talked about before we hit record, um, I listened to a lot of podcasts and it was something, I forget why I started listening to podcasts, but it was one of those things where someone just said, hey, have you heard this? You should listen to this. And so I did. And then I just went down this rabbit hole of one after another after another. And a lot of them were business type podcasts. Some were parenting related podcasts when my wife was pregnant of just, you know, trying to wrap my brain around what that's going to be like. And the whole time I was thinking, you know what? I could do this. I have something to say. And, you know, it was just kind of this devil may care moment. Let's do it. So every year recently, I'd like to say since I turned 25 or I guess, no, since I graduated college, I try to do something different every year that's new, like just to take in life and to experience life and to expand my horizon. So when I graduated college, you know, I stopped swimming because I swimming was over. I didn't have access to a pool, so I started running. So I did five Ks and some half marathons, and that was a thing I did for a while. And then I threw myself into work was a really big thing I did for a while. Try something new was really just put everything else aside and throw yourself into your profession. Then I, you know, started to learn how to fly. Uh, you know, before that it was getting married and just different life challenges where. I don't ever want to have a year where it's like, oh, I didn't do anything this year. That was a boring year, you know? So yeah. last year was the pilot thing. I'm hoping to finish that this year. And so this year was just, you know what? I've been listening to podcasts. I don't want to just be a listener. I want to be, you know, the guy kind of pressing things forward. And so it was just kind of a, what the hell, let's try it. And I had this idea where the whole idea of relish the journey was I've had such a breakneck, fast paced life since I graduated college. And I found myself in the midst of all the success that I've had, not happy. You know, like I've been promoted at work several times to the point where now I'm running a whole division. I'm, I'm married to a wonderful, wonderful human being. I thank God every day that she tolerated to me and all my craziness. Got a beautiful son. I You know, I bought a house, sold a house, built a house. You know, all these things are going great, but I just found myself always looking to what's next. I want more, want more, want more, and not really enjoying what I have. And so somehow it just kind of clicked in my brain that I could combine the both, where I would force myself to slow down. The idea of relish the journey was from our buddy Nick, who I talked to earlier before you, that I always I was, I was respected that about Nick, that he was the opposite of that of what I was feeling at the time when this all came about, you know, Nick is always loves every minute of everything. And to many who don't know him, he's insane and they don't understand how he could be happy with what he's doing. But I've always loved that about him. So I wanted to take that idea and use it as a motif to then just sit back and reflect and talk about moments in life that maybe I didn't really appreciate at the time with, the people that I do appreciate and just reach out to people and say hey I appreciate you I want to talk to you I want to reconnect with you and learn more about you and let's you know relish the journey together and so that was the why was to kind of ground myself and to force myself to you know appreciate what I have and the people I have in my life and then you know, the competitive side of me is like, hey, let's do this the right way. And I can do this on a phone call, not record it. You know, <laughs> we all have cell phones. I could call you anytime I want, but right. I can record it forever and have it as a cool audio time capsule and then really pay it forward. And maybe somebody out there in the world is going through the same stuff I'm going through, the same stuff you're going through, and can benefit from this conversation you and I have. And so of put it out there and see what happens. And if it becomes something, you know, Big, awesome if it doesn't whatever you know it's it's almost like therapy for me you know so that's why Right.
1: Yeah, and i think what's so nice about it too right is that it's it's easy to like lose touch with really the ones you care about right and your friends and this is kind of a way for you to keep in touch with everybody and for us at least as a friend group to listen to everybody's podcasts yeah. Right. And and maybe use that type use that podcast to say, hey, I should connect with this person. I should reconnect to you know with this person uh, because there's so much that I've missed right since the last time I saw him, So I think it's a fantastic idea. I'm looking forward to hearing each and every podcast. I
0: think it's going to be great. Man. Yeah. And, it's, and taking a step forward is, man. I've known this person for so long, and I've never asked them this question about. You know, the best piece of advice you've gotten or any of these kind of things that I developed in that questionnaire where you can know somebody for 10 plus years and never have a true, deep conversation with them. It's small talk, it's parties, it's it's entertaining events, it's dinners, but it's not, let me pick you apart as a human. You know what I mean? Right. And so that's oh, yeah. what I like about this too is I've gotten, like the guy that was the best man at my wedding, Morgan, I had to put his episode into two episodes because I've known him since I was eight years old and we got on stuff that we've never, ever talked about before. And we left right. the conversation saying, hey man, we should talk more. And it, it's <laughs> awesome. you know. Yeah. So it's, so far I've been loving it and it's just forcing myself to sit down and call. So, I go through my contacts. Like, really, that's how it came to today. I was like, man, I got some time. Who haven't I talked to in a while? I opened up my phone and I was scrolling through all my contacts. I hit your name and I was like, Pat Kalish, man, it's been too long. Let me call him. And yeah. so I did and here we are so it's cool. yeah
1: it's been great it's been fun you know and i think it, it kind of makes you as as uh, kind of providing some of this content and on us you know being able to speak on those questions really makes you think a little bit about what am i doing right and i think i've had kind of a similar thought process as you have right it's like
0: always on to the next promotion yeah. the next job
1: You know, how am I going to make a little bit more a year? Like, what is my next, you know, endeavor going to be? And even for me, like loving gardening and, and, you know, what I'm doing there is I always just want to jump ahead. Right. I want it to be done. I I just want to have my beautiful garden, my permaculture yard, you know, and, and I'm not enjoying it. Like I'm learning so much and I'm failing so much. But I keep going and I need to realize like, hey, enjoy it as it lasts. You're learning so much and when everything is done, it's never going to be done because there's always going to be something next and just kind of enjoy, you know, that kind of next step
0: process. Absolutely. And for me, it's something where too is the – this came about when my son was really born and so it's – I recognize that that about my personality and I wanted to stop it because what I don't want to do is you know be like that cats in the cradle song right whereas I'm so focused on work and then I'm not enjoying the moment or being present in the moment and then I'm going to wake up one day and my son's going to be 28 like I am yeah. and it's to me it's like one of those things where if I make it a a point to be the guy that says hey relish the journey and listen to my part you know You know, it's like you have to do it. Like I'm going to force myself. It holds me accountable, so that I can relish the journey even when I'm not recording and to be present in the little moments instead of let that little moment pass by because I'm thinking about what I have to do at work tomorrow. Right.
1: Yeah, and I mean, at, at some point too, it creates freedom of thought. You know, I mean, every time I feel like we're kind of just stuck sometimes in this cycle of this is what you need to do like this is the right way to do it i mean me and you were probably pretty similar there you know the thought of after college was get a solid career make money buy a house get engaged you know like have a child you know and and we need to you know sometimes being able to be like you know think about kind of the journey that you took to get here how happy you are but then think about what you can kind of do differently to kind of make your life fulfilled yeah, right. and luckily, I think the it, home, you know, the wife, right, The 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 child helps fulfill our lives. But sometimes it's easy to forget how you got
0: there. Well, and then what um, happens when you get all those things, right? I mean, right. you can arrive and have everything, and then be like, "Oh crap!" Like I didn't even enjoy the ride, you know. Right. Yeah. I'm almost. I mean, I I got there pretty quick. Like graduated, bought a house, got married, have a kid, sold that house. Like, I just paid off all my student loans. Like, it's like I'm reaching the next chapter of my life, and it's like, okay, now what's the focus? Because I've done what I set out to do, so I have to maintain that, but then how do I find joy in just maintaining that and getting incremental growth and not just these leaps and bounds that brought me here, you know? So right. it's it's the, human, uh, it's the human experience, man. It's when you stop and think about it and you put down the phone and you live your own life in the here and now and not through, you know, Instagram likes or Facebook, this, that, and the other thing, which is all too common. What do you got? So it's, it's easy to feel like you're connected with people because you follow them on Facebook and like their Instagram posts and you Snapchat, but how often do you have an actual deep human conversation like we just had? And so that's really the why I wanted to get back to, you know, peer to peer connections and, and just find that I don't know, that joy of of being a part of other someone else's life and not just being so wrapped up in mine, you know.
1: Yeah. Oh my gosh, Dad. And I'll even say this too. What I do, right, is I help a lot of people plan for their retirement. I help a lot of people that are 50, 60 years old, and I mean, it's right right around the corner. Yeah. right? So I look at I look at a listener's retirement, and I belabor it. I'm saying I'm going to make my $5,500 Roth contribution. I'm going to contribute 24% of my employer, you know, of, of my contributions into my 401k. I'm going to have it in the perfectly right setup because by the time Alyssa and I are 60, 65, we're going to be sitting on a beach you know, drinking margaritas, enjoying retirement. And I'm 26, you know, yeah. and I've talked to Alyssa multiple times about this retirement goal and as important as it is to start young because you can always make more money you can't make more time it's just it's such a long term goal
0: yeah well it's also and, important to be young you know what I mean? Yeah. like you're not 65 so don't be 65 when you're 26
1: oh my gosh yeah and it's just like you know maybe take some of that Go on a vacation. Go see a part of the world that you haven't seen because it's going to be harder when you're older. Yep. Don't wait for 65 to do the things you want to do today. You know, and it's you know one thing that happened with my house too is when I was looking to buy our house, um, my dad said to me, "I was looking at you know it was pretty pricey out here, right? I was looking at some homes that were pretty high in value, and but reasonable." But my dad said, "Pat, get the house you want." Spend a little bit more, even though you think you're going to be really tight with your budget, but just get it, right? So I ended up getting, you know, the home that we're in today and and definitely spent more than probably what at that time we probably should have, right? But right after I bought the home, I got got my next promotion, you know, and I jumped up two steps. And I was able to actually really truly afford this home and still have a lot left on the side. Right, and it's just like life will work itself out as long as you just keep working hard, right, and being diligent to the process, but just enjoying the times that are in front of you, and sometimes taking a risk. You know, risk it to get the biscuit. Absolutely.
0: Well, so. risk it to get the biscuit. That's a good place to end, man. <laughs> yeah. That's a sound it. bite if I ever heard one. <laughs>